Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Egg Today. Coming up on today's program... It was a sellout crowd at the Stakes and Stems Producer Night last night in Yorkton. 258 farmers and ranchers from the area attended the event, and one of the guest speakers was Chuck Penner of Leftfield Commodity Research in Winnipeg. I had a chance to speak with him after his presentation. Fifteen agriculture companies have been selected to participate in the AgTech Accelerator Program, Bree Wackaden, the Community and Partners Manager for Cultivator, the organization running the program, will tell us about it. And at the Sask Soils Conference in Saskatoon yesterday, Troy LaForge spoke about building organic matter in the soil on his farm in southwestern Saskatchewan. We'll hear from him. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of Sask Ag Today. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to Saskag Today. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report, and that's a presentation of Bumper to Bumper and Langenberg and Rokenville, your auto parts professionals. Let them find the parts no one else can. Open 8 to 6, Monday to Saturday. Call 306-743-2332. Beef and Forage Report. Many beef cattle operations are either well into calving season or gearing up for its approach. The Beef Cattle Research Council is helping producers prepare for this season by providing information about spotting and treating dehydration in young calves. Dehydration is a serious side effect of neonatal diarrhea or scours. Dr. Elizabeth Homorowski, a veterinarian with the Veterinary Agri-Health Services, explains the various effects dehydration can have on young calves. Many of our calves that are experiencing neonatal calf diarrhea or scours, they don't actually die from the viruses or the bacteria, the protozoa that, that cause scours. They die from the resulting dehydration, electrolyte imbalances, and in some cases, acidosis. That calf will appear clinically normal until they're about 6% dehydrated. Dr. Homorowski says there are a couple simple on-farm tests that can help a beef producer gauge how dehydrated a sick calf may be. Once that calf becomes dehydrated, the eyeball might start to recess back into the head. Another clinical test that we use frequently is a skin tint test. So you can pinch the skin right over the neck area, make a tint, and then measure the 
amount of seconds it takes for that skin to return to normal. So based on these two parameters, you can estimate the percent dehydration. According to Dr. Hamarowski, moderately dehydrated calves can successfully be treated on farm using oral electrolyte products but it's also important to know when to call the vet. A moderately dehydrated calf we would consider in that 8 to 10% range. These calves are starting to become clinically depressed. They're spending a lot more time lying down. They have a prolonged skin tint test. Their eyeball is recessed more. And so we really need to maintain oral fluids quite frequently throughout the day in order to keep them hydrated. After those calves become about 10% dehydrated, these are calves that we consider severely dehydrated. At that point, it's important to involve your veterinarian. Dr. Homorowski says the best treatment is always prevention. Most of these scours outbreaks can actually be prevented by working with your veterinarian on nutrition, uh, strategic calving pasture management, and other disease mitigation strategies. You can find how-to videos and more free calving resources at befreesearch.ca slash calf 911. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 Ag Review. The official opposition says that the current Liberal government's approach to the agriculture industry isn't going to get us where we need to be on the international stage, and farmers are feeling the pinch. As for Bill C-234, the bill that would exempt fuel used for grain drying and heating barns from the carbon tax, John Barlow says the Conservatives aren't likely to waver on the commitment to the original bill that was passed by the elected House of Parliament. Barlow says he could probably live with the sunset clause as his party intends to be in power before that clause ends and would remove the carbon tax completely. However, he says that the feedback he's received from farmers is that the carbon tax is a huge cost to producers and they are united in supporting Bill C-234 without amendments. A modest attempt at correcting hire was met by stiff resistance in the ice futures canola market with a general downtrend still intact as the futures work to uncover some demand. Canada has exported 3 million metric tons of canola through 27 weeks of the 2023-24 marketing year, well short of the 4.5 million tons exported by the same time the previous year, according to Canadian Grain Commission data. Jamie Wilton of R.J. O'Brien in Winnipeg says that farmers are still holding large amounts of unpriced canola, making them heavily long in the market and looking to sell whenever the futures try to move higher. With newly harvested South American soybean crops starting to weigh on the Chicago soy market, Wilton expects it would take an outside catalyst, such as weather issues somewhere in the world, to break canola out of its downtrend. There's an emerging consensus in Manitoba that soybean acres in the province could soon stabilize at around 1.5 to 1.9 million. A lot depends on the weather and markets, but representatives of the soy and pulse industry believe that nitrogen-fixing crops could become 25% of total acres in Manitoba. Manitoba is the largest dry bean producer in Canada, mostly pinto, 
navy, and black beans. The 25% share for soybeans and pulse crops hasn't happened yet because soy acres have been highly volatile over the last seven years. Acres have ranged from 2.3 million in 2017 to 900,000 in 2022 and everywhere in between. Dry growing seasons, novice growers planting varieties that were ill-suited for their farm, and disappointing yields pushed acres down from the high point of 2017. The president of the group representing British Columbia cherry growers says this season will be the most challenging in their lifetimes after a cold snap swept over the province last month. In a statement issued by the B.C. Cherry Association, Suk Paul Ball says temperatures dipped as low as minus 31 degrees Celsius on the night of January 12th, damaging a large percentage of developing cherry buds. The group says cherry growers are reeling from the deep freeze that threatens to dramatically reduce their crop this year. Ball says the cold snap was especially destructive because temperatures were well above freezing the week before, so cherry trees had no time to develop hardiness and the buds were unable to cope with the sudden temperature drop. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency says that farmers can use some existing supplies of herbicides based on the chemical dicamba, despite a federal court ruling last week that halted sprayings. The decision is a win for farmers who plan to use dicamba products sold by Bayer, BASF and Syngenta on genetically modified soybeans and cotton during the summer growing season and for the agrochemical companies. Environmental activists have objected to dicamba herbicides because they are known to drift away and damage other crops that are not resistant. But farm groups had warned the court ruling if fully enforced by the federal government could financially hurt growers who will plant their next crops in the spring. The groups had said most growers had already determined which seeds and chemicals they will use and may struggle to shift away from dicamba herbicides or crops that tolerate the chemical. And Saskag Today is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo just enable the GX94 skill and choose Saskag today. And yes, it's free. That's the Ag Review portion of our program. It's time now to head back out once again to Danny Ismond. We have been having a great day at Yorkton Hyundai and invite you to come on by at 115 Palliser Way. We are joined with Kimberly Hamilton once again. And Kim, you guys have some awesome, awesome SUVs here and very popular. Absolutely, Danny. You know, we've been uh, really impressed with the new 2024 Kona. The new redesign is a little bit bigger. It's a little edgier, a little more modern look. Been a huge hit for us. Uh, can't keep it on the lot. The 2024 uh, Tucson also got that newer look. Um, bit of a huge hit as well. And then another exciting one coming down the pipe. We've got a 2024 Santa Fe. We're hoping to have one by mid-March. Um, so keep keep an eye out on our Facebook page and everything like that to see when that lands. Um, we're super excited about that. A lot of buzz about that one. And then, of course, that 2024 Palisade. We just got one in as well. They've been a great vehicle for us. Also, if you're looking for that larger third row kind of vehicle. But um, we've got something for everybody. So you really want to come and check it out. Well, and I think a lot of these have, have changed. Like you said, a lot of them have changed quite a bit. And there's different features, different things included in them. If you're not familiar with it, maybe uh, now's the time to come and uh, see what it's all about. Absolutely. Book your tra- test 
drive come and talk to one of the sales consultants here they can help you out we've got you know heated options heated seats heated steering wheel you name it and then if you want to get into higher tech you can do that too they, they know them the best so they can they can let you know all right and if you do have the questions that you want to know what's uh, available what you're looking at give them a call 1-800-565-0002 the hyundai advantage sales event is on the go at yorkton hyundai everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's cloudy and minus 17 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. Fifteen agriculture companies have been selected to participate in the AgTech Accelerator program. Of the 11 Canadian companies selected, two are Saskatchewan-based, both are from Saskatoon, and four are from the United Kingdom. Bree Wakadin, Community and Partners Manager for Cultivator, the organization running the program, says the companies selected are a diverse group. We have everything from biotech to animal science, um, software and hardware. So they really do cover a ton of different areas, um, which add a really nice diverse sort of perspective in the cohort. And they come together um, here in March and they get to meet one another and you know use their differences um, to provide a little bit more insight and collaboration in the cohort. This is the third group to participate in the AgTech Accelerator program. And from March to June, these companies will be working to take their brand to the next level. So these companies, the 15, will come to Regina here in March, and they're going to spend an intensive week here where they're going to meet with industry experts, producers, uh, mentors, service providers to really help them grow to that next level. So we really focus on the cohort mentality and bringing them all together um, here at the beginning. And so it's a big week. They meet with a ton of people, but um, the hope is that they gain a lot of value a lot of really great industry insights and contacts, as well as that producer connection. Laura Mock, the director of Cultivator, adds when the companies complete the intensive programming, they will be pitching their company at the launch pad at Canada's Farm Show in June. The companies come, they'll continue to build out their business, they'll round out their business ideas, um, and then um, at the end of the program, they will... Uh, have the opportunity to pitch their, their company and their ideas at Demo Day at Canada's Farm Show. And based off of those demos, there are venture capital companies there that um, will look to partner with some of these companies. The UK companies involved are part of a global partnership with Innovate UK and its global incubator program. Walkadin says it's been a fruitful relationship so far. So I think they've been really impressed with the um, synergies between the Canadian and the UK companies, a lot of the partnerships and collaborations that have come um, after the fact between the companies has been really great to see. We've had our Canadian companies travel actually out to UK, so lots of synergies and collaboration there that have been great. Um, a lot of them are really impressed by the producer connections and just the access to the direct access to the egg industry, so um, a great partnership that we're really looking forward to continuing into cohort three and beyond. 
and feedback from companies who've been through the program has also been positive. It's just amazing how much connection we're able to provide um, and value to these companies. And so through our Million Acres program, which is a program designed to connect founders to producers, um, they're really able to connect with producers early on, um, gain valuable insights, feedback, maybe be a first user. So um, just these connections is a really big takeaway from the 32 companies who have participated before. And then being able to be on the Launchpad stage at Canada's Farm Show, um, it really is one of the biggest stages in agriculture. It allows them to demonstrate their you know, innovations and products um, to a group of investors and producers and industry experts. So that's been a huge part um, in this program. And I think overall, the sentiment has been that um, Saskatchewan really is an agriculture leader and being able to have this program here just really solidifies that as an ag tech hub and really helps to these companies to scale further. Since it launched in 2021, the AgTech Accelerator has helped 32 companies from two previous cohorts raise $107.7 million in private capital, generated $47 million in revenue, and received $32.7 million in public funding. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. live cattle futures for April are trading at 185.42 this hour. That's up 142. June live cattle trading at 181.90, up 77. March feeder cattle trading at 247.05, up 82. April feeder cattle trading at 250.20, up 60. April lean hogs trading at 84.95, up 42. May lean hogs trading at 88.85, that's up 35. And that's the livestock market conditions. Now it's time for the Heartland Livestock Report from Yorkton. Producers, Junior for Heartland Livestock Yorkton with your market report for the week of February 14th. Nice run on offer, 25.20 in the pre-sort, 315,000 bulls for a total of 28.35. On the feeder cattle, the market was trending steady to higher in a lot of classes. The heifers are climbing weekly. We had a lot of very good cattle here this week, and the market showed it. Here are a few highlights. Bucks, buckskin steers, 580 at 424. 650 at 393.50. 798 buckskin steers at 347. Black steers, four at 515. 640s at 387. And the 715 weights at 370. Red X steers, 565 at 426. 640 weights at 387. 720 weights at 367.50. On the heifer trade, buckskin heifers, 525 at 374. 640s at 341.710s at 318. 565 weight block steers, 380. 635 weights at 336. New 7 weights at 310. On the red X steers, heifers, 565 at 366. 636 at 328. And 710 weights at 318. On the cow and bull trade, we saw 270 cows average $1.3450 on a set of really good high yielding cows this week. D1s, 140 to 150, sales to 154. D2s, 128 to 140. D3s, 110 to 122. Your light shelly cows, 99 to $1.10. Half Frets 145 to 230. On the bulls, 132 to 164, average 146. Producers, bread cow sale, February 23rd, 11 a.m., 200 cows on offer with a 60 head dispersal, semitall cross cows, bred 
install for April 1st gathering, plus many other consignments. Also, producers, reminder, the pre-sort sale next week, February 21st, is a one-day sort due to the holiday Monday. We'll be receiving 8 to 4 on Tuesday only. Once again, February 21st sale is just a one-day sort. Once again, Junior for HLS Yorkton. Thank you, and have a great day. And it's time now to check in once again with Danny Ismond. Well, this is your last reminder today to pop into Yorkton Hyundai at 115 Palliser Way. We're joined with Ron Command. Ron, it's been a nice, busy day. It's been a really busy day. Uh, we had to take a uh, Tucson out of the showroom here, Danny, on you. So uh, that's a good thing. We sold a Tucson. And, yeah, there's been more people coming in, so that's good. Yeah, come on in. I want to invite everybody. Come on in. Talk to the girls and gals. we got all kinds of stuff coming in. we got stuff that is here that we can do some test drives with, whether it's a Palisade, Santa Fe, Tucson, of course. The new cone has been going off the shelves fast because they're they're a beautiful ride too and then like i say we got some pre-owned we just got a bunch last week so that's good we got some nice pre-owns uh so you know some that are priced really right so come on down take a look we also got some buybacks as i said and always remember we got one of the best shops in town man if you need to get anything fixed we can do it for you we got some great journeymen here well and with that being said as well uh, you guys have some great things happening too with the with the detailing department too and the service department yeah, we do with the road road ready uh, setup we got with uh, getting an oil change getting a clean up get the whole film, full meal deal yeah for sure all right. If you have any questions, get a hold of them here. 1-800-565-0002. You'll be glad you did. We're at 115 Palace Way. It's the Hyundai Advantage sales event at Yorkton Hyundai. Welcome back to Saskag today. It was a sellout crowd at the Stakes and Stems producer night last night in Yorkton. 258 farmers and ranchers from the area attended the event hosted by the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. One of the guest speakers was Chuck Penner of Left Field Commodity Research in Winnipeg. He talked about the current grain and oilseed markets and he started out with canola. You know, it's interesting because the canola market has been, has, it's, has struggled in the first half of the year. And so people take that and they automatically flip that over and think, okay, well, that's the way it's going to be in the second half of this year. But really, there's some signals that we're going to see some stronger export demand coming up. Uh, and it's it's really not as heavy of a situation as, as what it seems like it is right now. Uh, so when you're looking forward to next year, what I'm thinking, what I'm looking at or hearing is, uh, especially farmers west of here, where they're seeing it's still quite dry and those kind of things, there's ideas that those that they may be cutting back on canola acres just because of the dryness, because of the dollars you have to put in the ground for canola and, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, so, you know, if there's some places where they're cutting back, you know, then it may be not a bad idea to, you know, to at least maintain canola acres anyway. And I know when it comes to selling, I've heard a lot of guys are holding on or they're sitting on their canola right now. You suggested it might be good to wait till April or May because that's traditionally when they seem to go up. Well, that is a seasonal tendency of, of high prices for the for the canola market is is April, May. And so it doesn't happen every year, but I think that along with some of the other signals about some maybe improvement in the export volumes and those kind of things uh, that we could see a little bit of strength uh, as we get into the spring, yeah. And of course, soybean crops in the U.S. or in uh, South America, that's always something to keep into consideration as well? Yeah, it sure is. And, and those kind of are, well, the South American situation is becoming a little little more certain now uh, they're they're dial they've dialed back some of their production estimates to some degree but they're kind of leveling off now and, and so that's a little more certain 
it's what's going to happen in the U.S. And, and there are ideas that we'll have more soybean acres. And for a lot of that Midwest is now has some better moisture going into the spring. So it might be off to a better start. So that's, that's, not, that's the less positive news for the canola market. Yeah. Well, moving on to non-Durham wheat was the next thing you talked about. Uh, it sounds like prices are probably going to stay either stable or maybe go up a bit, do you think? Well, on the future side, it looks like the market is trying to set some or establish some lows. So what that means is that it, it kind of is, it's, it's made its decline and now it's kind of leveling off. And then hopefully from there, we'll start to see some movement. Seasonally, wheat prices also tend to pick up in the spring. Uh, and then on the other side, we've been exporting Canadian wheat at a record pace. And so our Canadian supplies are actually going to get fairly tight by the end of the year. And that may help futures, but it's more likely that that will help basis levels uh, for wheat. And so we were already at some close to some multi-year highs on basis levels. Uh, so, so yeah, it's a sign that we're getting tighter and tighter on physical supplies, which never hurts for prices. Is uh, China, India, are those markets that would be strong for wheat? Or? Well, China is fairly strong. Uh, we, we export our wheat to a pretty wide uh, number of countries, in, a lot in Asia. Asia would be the, the dominant ones. Uh, so a whole bunch of countries out there. India is an interesting case. They can be an importer. Sometimes they're even an exporter. And I think they're going to have a bigger, a bigger crop this year. So they may not be, uh, well, they won't be a market for Canadian wheat this year, but they might become an export competitor. And when it comes to wheat, we've seen what's happened with the, the Black Sea and the Red Sea. There's been some issues there, obviously. That bodes well for Canadian wheat, I, I would imagine. Well, yeah, our, our wheat mostly goes through, almost all goes through the West Coast. So we've avoided all of that kind of, all of those kind of hassles. Uh, so yeah, it has, it has slowed the movement of wheat out of Ukraine and Russia and things like that. But it also backs supplies up, leaves supplies backed up in those countries, which isn't, is, is, is good for the short term, isn't great for the longer term. But globally, wheat supplies are not all that high either. So again, we're, we're looking at a, at a you know, steady to maybe some improvement in the wheat market going forward. As for barley, you talked a bit about barley as well, whether it be malting barley, feed barley. The markets there aren't quite where they need to be right now, it doesn't sound like. No, the barley market is probably the, the, the worst case in this, in this year. And there's, on the barley market, there's, there's three kind of negative things that are happening. One is, is that we used to export almost all of our barley, all of almost all of our barley exports would go to China. And now Australia is back in that market, so taking more of that share. So we're not doing much exports. Then on the domestic feed side, we're bringing in U.S. corn. Whenever it gets a little bit of a price advantage, we're bringing in more U.S. corn into Western Canada. So that depresses our demand for feed barley. And then even on the malting side, uh, beer consumption is declining pretty steadily. And so it's not a great situation even for the malt side of the business. And I've heard even for malting barley, it has to be under a certain amount of a protein level or something like that as well. So that's something they have to be taken into consideration. Yeah, so the barley, the barley conditions or the barley parameters for, for malting, uh, we have plenty of barley that meets those parameters, those conditions. So that's not necessarily an issue this year. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're taking less and less of, of the total barley crop every year. So, yeah, it's, I, I don't think they'll have trouble finding what they need uh, for, for their production. And then you moved on to oats. And once again, oats, I mean, obviously it's a crop that usually gets very good yields, but the yeah, prices, it's kind of hard to peg. Yeah, the prices so far, oat prices so far this year 
have been have been pretty flat. They just really haven't gone gone anywhere. Um, but what's ha what happened is that very early in the year, our millers and our grain companies and even U.S. millers were sitting on very very large supplies. So they didn't need to to buy as aggressively as they normally do at the beginning of the year. But now those supplies have started to come back down to more normal levels, and they'll have to start picking up some of that business. And then the other thing in the oat market would be, uh, is we do export at times through Vancouver to Latin America. Uh, and so we will have a, we have a pretty good advantage into those kind of markets. And oat prices in basically every other country that's important in the oat market have really been trending strongly higher, but the Canadian prices stayed flat. And so, you know, I think we can see a little bit of support from those other markets, but it's it's really not uh, not getting there yet. But I'm I'm hopeful. Well, domestically speaking, it's nice here in Yorkton. We have grain millers that buys a lot of our oats, so I think that helps out the market here. Oh, the the oat market, the oat milling market is is huge, um, and so that's those are that's a really positive story for oats. Is that over the years we've been milling more and more of our domestic oats uh, and shipping it to the U.S. and to other countries, uh, and so that demand has really been moving steadily higher, uh, and it's yeah, it's become a very large part of our our oat. Uh, market every year and then your last one was peas and you talked about the, the pea market and it sounds like that's one that might be a burgeoning uh, industry well we have the announcement here of, of Dreyfus uh, building a plant now that's not going to happen quickly but uh, that that's better for the longer term kind of a, an outlook uh, for the for the pea market we're probably going to have relatively low supplies again um, but the the really interesting thing in the pea market is that we're right now we're able to export to India again they used to be a huge buyer of Canadian peas uh, then they because of some political decisions there they stopped buying any peas from anywhere um, but now they've opened up their borders again but there's a deadline of March 31st for that if they extend that and it's possible they will if they extend that then we should see some some pretty strong demand for for yellow peas in particular yeah. and obviously they said a half a billion dollar plant here but like you said uh, I was one of those media guys trying to find out a little more about it they're not saying how many uh, they're gonna put through how much they're gonna put through yeah so the, the, the export market will still be the biggest part of the pea market but you know if it's a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand tons and, and I don't know what that number is but that all helps in terms of our demand domestic demand Domestic demand is always the strongest demand, and so for peas, for canola, for oats, for any of those, that's our best demand is domestic processing. And uh, one of the last things you talked about was the conditions, drought conditions in much of the province. And you said it looked like at least we have some snow here in this area. Yeah, it was nice. I drove up from Winnipeg, and so it's dry in Winnipeg, no, almost no snow there. Um, so it looked like a normal winter here, which was which is kind of nice. But lots of issues or concerns, questions. Uh, further west and into Alberta, and so it's not a done deal at all yet. That's Chuck Penner of Left Field Commodity Research in Winnipeg. He was a guest speaker at last night's Stakes and Stems Producer Night in Yorkton. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading down across the board this hour. March canola trading at $570.20. That's down $10.60. May canola trading at $580.20, down $9.20. March Minneapolis wheat 
trading at 658 and a half, down 4 cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at 575 and 3 quarters, down 12 cents. March Chicago wheat trading at 567 and a quarter, that's down 18 and a quarter cents. March corn trading at 419 and a half, down 4 and 3 quarters of a cent. March soybeans trading at 11.67 per bushel, that's down 3 and a half cents. March oats trading at 382 and a half, that's up a half a cent. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned, Saskag Today will return right after this. Welcome back to Saskag Today, I'm Doug Falconer. Well, just like Canada, the number of farms in the United States is declining. The USDA released the results of their Ag Census Tuesday, and two statistics caught the attention of U.S. Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack. Survey after survey continues to show a decline in the number of farms and in the farmland. In 2017, when we did the survey, there were 2,042,220 farms. Today, the survey reports we have 1,900,487 farms. The USDA defines a farm as any operation that sells more than $1,000 in product annually. The average U.S. farm size is only 463 acres. The average age of a U.S. farmer is 58, about six months older than the previous census. Farm Bulletin Board. The nomination deadline for the 2024 Saskatchewan Outstanding Young Farmer Award is rapidly approaching. To be eligible, you must be under the age of 40, operate a farm with an ownership stake, and derive at least two-thirds of their income from farming. Nominees can be a young farmer, a farm couple, or a farm partnership. Anyone can nominate a young farmer by filling out a preliminary nomination form by today. More information is available by contacting Tannis Axton at tannis at axtonfarms.ca. Tannis is spelled with two N's and Axton is spelled A-X-T-E-N. And the Soil and Crops 2024 conference is coming up March 5th and 6th in Saskatoon, so circle that on your calendar. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's coming up on 1 o'clock. That means it's time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. A mix of sun and cloud, winds north-northwest at 10 to 20, a high of minus 14 degrees. For tonight, mainly clear, winds north-northwest at 10 to 15, a low of minus 24. For tomorrow, a mix of sun and cloud, winds west increasing to 20 to 30, a high of minus 8, an overnight low of minus 10, but rising to minus 5. For Saturday, mainly sunny, winds west-northwest at 20 to 40, a high of minus 3. For Sunday, mainly sunny, a high of minus 7. And for holiday Monday, partly sunny, a high of minus 10. 
In the Paw, it's minus 23 degrees, Swan River minus 16, Dauphin and Show Lake Russell minus 17, Brandon minus 15, Roblin minus 19. Regina, Broadview, Mooseman, and Indian Head all reporting in at minus 18. Saskatoon, minus 15. Hudson Bay, minus 20. Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, minus 17. The Yorkton, Melville region has a cloudy sky, a northwest wind at 22 kilometers an hour. 70% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 17 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 27 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Saskag today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.